0: Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, you could do a little bit better than that. Let me hear a bigger good morning. Bigger. Yay! Thank you. Thank you, thank you. That helps. Um, I'm so glad you guys are here with us and chose to spend your Mother's Day here. Hopefully, men, you've... Uh, got your days planned for the women in your life, if you don't have a plan yet, you're probably too late, so uh, you failed a little bit there, but you can make it up by just taking care of life today for the ladies in your life, and then just make sure to clean it all up when you're done, that that kind of wraps it all into one. Sometimes my husband's like, hey, I'll watch the kids, and you go out, do your thing, and I'm like, yes, this is awesome, and I go out, and I do my thing, and I come home, and the house is like, tornado hit it, and I'm like, thanks, hon, for watching the kids, So, But we're excited you're here. Uh, Mother's Day encompasses so many different stories. I'm sure if we spent time talking to people in the room, you would hear different backgrounds from each person. Uh, Some of you may be adoptive moms, uh, waiting-to-be moms, moms of loss, men who are mommies playing mommy in here. Um, Either way, again, we're thankful you're here with us and Um, We've been in this series aligned for the past three weeks, and hopefully you've been following along and even participating in the prayer groups that we have on Mondays and Fridays. And if you haven't gotten a chance to get there yet, uh, we have different locations all around the city available for you. Uh, If you just go to that email, prayergroups.erefirst.org, you can get more information there. But last week, Pastor Nicole talked to us about intercessory prayer, um, and this week we're going to talk about devotional prayer. Uh, devotional prayer is different because devotional prayer actually connects us with God at the heart level. And it's okay, obviously, for and necessary for us to pray for people and things and, and justice issues. God wants us to do that. But today I want to talk specifically about the type of prayer that is about you and the Father. Uh, this is where we receive his love and we're empowered to express love to not just God, but to other people as well. Uh, Jesus actually asked, in Scripture, Jesus asked the Father to impart the very love that he has for Jesus into the hearts of those who long for it. And I, I love this. I once overheard, um, my I was with my friend and her son, and I heard her son say, I love you, Mommy. And she looked at him and said, I loved you first. And I love that. I thought that was so sweet. Uh, it takes God It takes knowing God to love God because he did love us first. And the grace to receive God's love, I believe, is the greatest gift the Spirit imparts to us because God's love brings power in our life. And plus, when we feel loved, we can give that love to other people, right? And and that may be normal to some of you. I may be talking about something. You're like, you're just talking about love. Everyone understands love. So it may be normal. And and you may know how to express love. You may have been raised that way. It might be natural for you. But for some people, it's not. There was actually a time in my life where I didn't know how to love. And I didn't know how to be loved as well. Uh, There was a time in my life where I didn't even feel worthy enough to celebrate Mother's Day. Nor did I have a mom to celebrate. You know, my parents were never married, and my mom raised me on her own, and my mom was young when she had me and unfortunately wasn't ready to grow up um, and share her life with a child, and at a young age, I knew that. I knew my mom didn't want me. Drugs and, and alcohol and, and boyfriends were number one to her, and... Um, Whenever I caused a disruption to that, if she couldn't find a babysitter for the night or whatever, she definitely made sure that I knew it. I knew that I was a problem to her. Um, she would get very angry. She had a very short fuse, and I was hit a lot and abused. The attention that I got was not of love and affection and hugs. The attention I got was of from anger. Um, and eventually, the physical abuse from my mom uh, wasn't, was nothing compared to the emotional abuse. Those of you that have been through abuse, eventually the, the physical abuse hardens you so much that you almost become numb to it, and what happens to you emotionally tears you apart so much worse. I was constantly being told that I ruined her life, I was annoying. Um, the basic things that you would do to care for a child, I didn't get, I, you know, uh, dinners on the table, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we lived in motels. I spent my nights um, sleeping on bar stools um, and buses. Uh, we never had food. You know, my mom never cooked dinner. We would, I remember eating condiments from rest areas and, and fast food, salt and mustard, and the mayonnaise packs. Um, we lived in a lot of one room apartments and uh, motels, and I was there firsthand for the guys that my mom would bring home. You know there wasn't bedtime stories. I didn't get the "let's tuck you in at night, and get your cozy pajamas on." I, I didn't get that from my mom. And when I was seven, I remember uh, my mom came home in the middle of the night, and uh, I, I came out of my room and I, I, compl- I was complaining because I wanted candy. So we, she's like, "Fine." So we left, and, and she was just got home from partying, so she was drunk, and we were driving. And I remember that seeing telephone uh, poles lining the street. It was dark out, and the next thing I know, I woke up and I had this metal taste in my mouth, and I could see red. And I realized that we had looked over at my mom, and her head was on the steering wheel. Blood was all over her face, and we had hit a telephone pole going 65 miles per hour. My top teeth went through my bottom lip, and I still have scars from that. And I remember being in the hospital room, and my mom, they, they wheel her in in the wheelchair because we were in two different rooms, and the doctors left and gave us some time. And I remember her looking at me saying, you know, if you didn't ask for candy that night, we would have never left. And that stuck with me, and I remember that very moment was the moment where my heart just, ugh, I hated myself. I felt so guilty. I looked at my mom, and I'm like, gosh, she wouldn't, this wouldn't have happened to her if I didn't ask for candy. That was my thought process. So shortly after that, we moved. We moved to the Bronx, uh, where my mom was originally from. And my mom had a new boyfriend, and he uh, very quickly started doing heroin and became very abusive. Um, so I watched a lot of nights as he would as he would abuse her. A lot of screaming um, from her. I remember nights she would uh, run into my room and lock the door, and he would he would sit with a with a knife and just scrape it against the door just to instill fear in us. There was no love, uh, there was no security, no safe, no nothing. Th- those are some things that may cause you to feel love, right? You feel love when you feel safe and secure. I didn't, I didn't get that. So eventually he had hurt her, the new boyfriend, so bad that my dad came back in the picture. Um, I, came, I went to live with him, and, and uh, my mom and dad actually got back together. That's when we moved to Erie. And uh, I thought we were in this normal family because we were with my grandparents and my grandparents were from Brooklyn and actually grew up in the old Italian neighborhoods and my grandfather was in the mafia. And so for me, I'm like, this is great. We've got dinners on the table. We're eating Italian food. Frank Sinatra's on the radio. Things are normal, right? But the problem is, is when you're, if you are familiar with a crime family, you grow up in the family where no one is trusted. You're not allowed to talk. Uh, there's a, a lot of swearing, and, and, but it was the most normal I had in a long time. And for the first time in my life, there was a steady roof over my head, and I felt like I had family around me. Uh, my dad, because he grew up in that kind of family, was very paranoid. He, uh, Again, he didn't trust anyone, and so uh, he, he was a drug dealer and would travel a lot. And one of the rooms in our, in our house were actually padlocked, uh, with his drugs and scales and stuff in that room. Uh, I grew up, my phone lines were always tapped for three years. It was just very normal to me that it, just in case my dad couldn't trust me or my mom, because, you know, I was in third grade, I might go tell all of my friends <laughs> about the stuff he was doing. Uh, but that was very much so my life. There was no stability. That ended uh, 1989 Christmas morning. Uh, I wasn't laying in bed that throughout that night waiting for Santa to come, trying to hear little sounds of reindeer on the roof. Instead, I was listening to my mom and dad argue all night, sounds of things breaking, and I stayed in my room and didn't want to move. And that morning, my dad came in, and he said, put your shoes on, just like that. And I said, okay, and I put my shoes on, and I went out, and instead of Christmas presents, there was broken lamps and furniture everywhere. And that morning, my dad left. Uh, And I soon found out after that he had another family in New York, and I actually have a half-sister that I've, I've never met. Um, that's seven years younger than me. So anyway, my mom went downhill again, and um, I actually went to Mill Creek Schools. Uh, she started getting back in the same routine, and and I still wasn't being taken care of, but instead now I was older. And so going to school, I was wearing my mom's old clothes. Um, I had a really weird New York accent, and so I would get made fun of a lot, and it just the self-destruction. I just... Everything that you do when you don't like yourself, it started showing on the outside. My attitude was bad, behavior was bad, the teachers didn't like me, my friends' parents definitely didn't want me hanging out with their kids. And so everything just started at that time. And I really started to hate my mom. I really did, I, I didn't want my life to be like her. Starting to go into uh, middle school and high school, I tried out for the soccer team, I actually was made the McDowell soccer team, student council, was getting great grades, But it it didn't last long because the the hardness in my heart would just cause me to just self-destruct and be mean and rude to everyone around me. And I was getting into fights, dealing drugs, and I had to take care of myself because my mom wasn't around. So how I made money was selling drugs. I didn't have that. I would go to school and the normal things that that you would make sure your daughter has... You know, my daughter, uh, I have a daughter sitting here today, she's 14 today, or 13 today is her birthday on Mother's Day, teenager. And you know, when, when I was her age in middle school, I didn't have things that she has, like deodorant, feminine products, right? Things that daughters have to learn how to use and get to take care of themselves, I didn't have those things. So I was made fun of a lot. It made me hate everyone. So instead of, and I I have a strong personality, so instead of being shy, I outwardly showed it, and I would get into fights and take it out on other people. I would do the most horrible things, walk by someone's car, break the car window just for the heck of it. Nothing to do tonight. Let's go start a fight with someone. That that was my life. That's how I showed uh, my frustration. So anyway, um, I got uh, an underage drinking. At one point, I did get in trouble with the law, and I actually lost my license until the age of 20 before I even got it. (laughs) I didn't have that for a while. And then right after that, when I was 15, Adam and I met. And a few months into our relationship, I got pregnant, and we had an abortion. You know how crazy it is to stand up here on Mother's Day right now? with a daughter just turned 13, and a son who's going to be 15. And I thought for years, because I had an abortion, God would never give me a child. There was no morals between Adam and I. I mean, we were both crazy. (laughs) My mom was eventually arrested, and I went from child to adult at age 15. And we fought all the time. Our life was a wreck. But fast forward, eventually we gave our lives to Jesus, obviously. (laughs) Not doing the same thing. (laughs) Right? Got married, started having kids. But that wasn't the end for me. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the relationship that gets built when we start our relationship with Jesus. Because when we gave our lives to the Lord, that wasn't the end for us. We still had to kick a lot of addictions. Um, I still had to learn how to be a mom. I didn't, I didn't know any of those things that I told you, I didn't know how to be a mom. I spent most of the, the beginning years with my kids running around being guilty because I had no idea what I was doing. And to, to put it all, I was so self-centered. I mean, everything was about me. And so that's how I was. That's the kind of mom that I was. I didn't know how to love because I didn't know how to be loved. And just because you start a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean instantly you understand how much he loves you. It takes time. So it wasn't a quick fix. So many times I didn't feel worthy. Even starting in ministry, when Adam and I are here, some of you knew us when we started here, even starting in ministry, there would be times that I would speak and right after I would run off the stage and go in the bathroom and think about how terrible I did and I was so scared to leave the bathroom walls because I was afraid everyone was judging me because of how horrible I did. Sleepless nights thinking about what I was doing wrong. When I met with people and would talk to girls about Jesus, I would leave and go, what did I say to her? I just couldn't accept that things were gonna be okay. Thoughts of not good, I'm not good enough, I'm gonna ruin it, good things don't happen to me. Still to this day, I have to wake up every single morning and tell myself, it is not my fault, I am redeemed, Jesus takes care of me, there's nothing I can do wrong because I have a Father who loves me. Every single day. I used to think that we've done terrible things. God can't trust us. We don't deserve anything. Well, gosh, I have four kids and a great husband and, and I'm living and I'm okay and good things happen. Good, good things happen. Years after my childhood and abuse, there was such a part of my heart that was cold. Uh, we joke around all the time that I would go into places and I, and I was rude to people. <laughs> we joke about this a lot. Like I, I had that face where I just looked angry all the time, and I, I was. I was just rude. I didn't, I didn't really care about people, whatever. I had to learn how to love and how to treat people. I just couldn't accept that, though, that people even liked me at the same time. And I couldn't. I would sit in these church services. And I would get the information, but I would never get the love that God had for me. I had to make a decision, and I had to choose to learn how to love. I could have just decided to just go through my life and show up at church and do my thing. And, but I, I wanted to learn what is this love that God has for me. I chose that. And no amount of books, seminars could teach me how to love the way God would love me in time of prayer. You know that? I read a lot of books, a lot, because I was trying to figure it out, that had nothing compared to when I would sit down in prayer and spend time with Jesus. That was when I learned how much he loved me. The more time I spent with God, the more I got to know him and his character and how much he absolutely adored me. Falling in love with Jesus has caused this (laughs) amazing ripple effect for me to fall in love with everything else. My kids, my husband, people, It's this amazing, epic love story that I get to live out every single day. It's beautiful. And the grace to receive God's love is an amazing gift that the Spirit imparts to us. So God takes up residence in the human spirit when we give our lives to him, right? God comes in. And when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit a real person comes to live in our born-again spirit. You guys catching that? Shake your head just so I know you're still here, okay? So when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our spirit, okay? So salvation, when you give your life to Jesus, salvation is a lot more than being forgiving. forgiven. It's kind of like purchasing a new house. So you get to know Jesus, you get a new house. Salvation gets you the new house, but the Holy Spirit is what comes in and redecorates the house, okay? And that's what makes it a home. God may come to live in our spirits when we give our lives to Jesus, but relationship with the Holy Spirit is what brings the true transformation. I love this quote by D.L. Moody, you might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as to try to live a Christian life without the Spirit. I love that. Paul wrote this prayer in Ephesians three, fourteen, sixteen. 16. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The inner being he's talking about here is our soul. Every human has three parts. Okay, track with me. Every human has three parts, spirit, soul, and flesh. Our bodies are our physical selves, obviously, right? Everyone pinch their arm like this, gently, don't hurt yourself, okay? That's your flesh, that's your physical self. Our souls, which is what Paul is talking about in that scripture, are like our personalities, our mind, emotions. And then our spirit, our spirit is where Holy Spirit and God literally lives in us. And I like this way of saying it. Um, I read in the, the book, I like this way. We are a spirit, okay? We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. There's no way we can go deep with God with a dull spirit. There's no way. There's no way we can go deep with God with a dull spirit. The more we engage our minds with the spirit, the more our minds and emotions are renewed. The more I spend time with Jesus, the more I realized the more my mind understood and my emotions understood how loved I was. Similar to exercise, exercise increases our physical strength, right? Devotion to the Father increases our spiritual strength. Devotion, uh, and just as an exercise, I know this a little too well, we don't always see the results right away, but don't give up like I do. (laughs) Because it takes time for you to see the results, Okay, so strengthening your spirit is very similar to strengthening your body as an exercise, okay? And how we strengthen our spirit is through prayer. Devotion strengthens our inner man, our soul, by renewing our minds and emotions as we talk to him. Because when our speech comes under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, when our speech comes under the leadership of our Holy Spirit, our entire existence Who we are is led by him. Once that happens, once your speech becomes led by the Holy Spirit, you can just start walking around like a boss. You've got everything under control. Because once your speech comes under leadership, your entire life is led by Holy Spirit. And we call this, as Christians, right, we call this walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is when we're starting to walk in victory over our flesh, okay? It may be fun to go out on Friday night and drink, but I'm in victory over my flesh, so I'm not going to do that, right? So Galatians 5, 6, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We understand in here that there's a war going on inside every believer, And the flesh is a sinful, flesh versus spirit, right? So your flesh is in a battle with your spirit. The flesh is like your sinful desires, alcoholism, gluttony, eating too much pizza, (laughs) and then the sinful emotions, guilt from eating too much pizza, (laughs) uh, bitterness, anger, all of that stuff, and so on, right? So in the midst of our battles, our focus should be on the Holy Spirit. You don't want to put more focus on denying those sinful natures. So when you're battling and you're feeling those emotions, you don't want to pay attention to those those feelings. You want to pay attention to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the victory, and we want to focus on the victory. Once we focus on the victory, we're focusing on the relationship. When we focus on relationship with Holy Spirit, that's when the victory comes. Devotions, devotional prayer, supernaturally strengthens our hearts and gives us power to stand against compromise, fear, rejection, etc. But we have to put the relationship with the Spirit first. Like I said, I could read books and I could do my thing and go through the motions and go to church and all of that stuff, but the relationship is what caused the transformation. Relationship with the Spirit. When we, we will not walk in the spirit, you won't have that victory. We will not walk in the spirit more than we talk to the spirit. Okay? So practically, here's how we can do that. These are some of the things that I did. In prayer, when you guys are praying, think about this. In prayer, we focus our mind in two ways. We focus on the Father who's sitting on his throne, and on God, the Holy Spirit, who lives in our spirits. And then our mind speaks in picture language, right? So right now, think of something, and you probably see a picture of it in your mind. Well, in Scripture, Scripture refers to the Spirit, God, as light, correct? So when you're sitting in prayer, you want to picture Holy Spirit as light living inside of you, that you're talking to that. Set your mind to that image, and you want to pray and speak directly to that. Set your minds to him and speak directly to him. And be intentional. Uh, Set aside three to five minutes a day. I've found in my life that I have to do my devotions in the morning because if I don't, craziness takes over (laughs) my life, kids and dogs and, and stuff, and I won't get to it. So I have learned in my life to put devotions first in the morning. But you have to look at your schedule and life and find that time to spend with Jesus. Yours may be different. Um, but I just suggest practically taking, writing, devotion time, spending time with Jesus, one on one with Jesus, whatever you want to call it. Put that in your schedule first and build your life around that. Okay? So it may not be in the morning like me, but put that in your schedule first. And the other thing is, too, is you don't want to just talk to him in that three to five minutes. Eventually, you want to build up your relationship with Holy Spirit that it becomes a lifestyle with him, that you're walking in cadence with the Spirit. The Spirit's coming to you not just at the altar but to the grocery store, (laughs) you know, that you're constantly talking to him. Remember that the Spirit is in you everywhere you go. So you can pray to strengthen your spirit wherever you are. And at first, it is difficult to focus and pray to your inward self. But the more you do it, the easier it'll get, just like anything else. An acronym uh, that you could use to help you focus in those moments okay, is trust. Okay, So in that moment, you want to trust. So let's, let's look at these letters. T, you want to first thank Holy Spirit for his presence. So when you're praying, say, Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. I love you. R, you say, God, release your glory. Remember when Moses prayed, show me your glory? We can do that same thing. So R, release your glory. You use me. Ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, use me more. Give me the gifts of the Spirit. I want to walk in your presence. I want you to use me. Strengthen me. Ask Holy Spirit to strengthen our inner man, our soul, by touching our mind, emotions, and speech. I don't know about you, but as a female moms, I would rather the Holy Spirit be controlling what I say most of the time. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we could say things we don't mean. I would rather Holy Spirit have control of my speech versus myself. T, teach me. Ask Spirit to teach us God's will, word, and give you wisdom and creative ideas for every area of your life. And listen, take your time. This isn't something, like I said, you're going to walk out of here And instantly it's going to happen. This is a process. Take your time building relationship with the Spirit. Relationships take time to build. The more you speak to the Holy Spirit in private, the more you will sense him in public. And have a listening heart, because the Holy Spirit will talk back to you. And it won't be in the way that God does, like in that still, small voice. Instead, you may get impressions. Your emotions may be sensitized. you will feel Holy Spirit's nearness it is so important to understand here's what I'm excited about all the things that I did wrong in my life is not what I'm going to take with me into heaven the things that I did wrong are not eternal I was able to forgive my mom my parents Because that forgiveness is what's going with me. And your spirit is what you're going to take with you into heaven. Your spirit is eternal. You want to strengthen it, speak to it, nurture it more than anything else. You're not going to take pain into heaven. Because the spirit doesn't bring pain. And you're not going to take guilt. Because God doesn't want you to feel guilt. And you're not going to take brokenness. If you've lost someone, you will not take brokenness with you to heaven. You will take everything that Holy Spirit stands for. Every attribute that Holy Spirit is, is what you will take with you. You will take everything that your spirit is meant to be. I used to cry to my mentor. I'd sit there in her chair and I would cry and say, I'm just not a good mom. And I'm never gonna be a good mom. By the time, I'm not, uh, by the time I figure out how to actually do this thing, my kids are gonna be in college and maybe I'll be nice to my grandkids, <laughs> maybe. I remember I, I used to sit there and bawl to her. There was no way I was equipped or deserving, <laughs> deserving of loving my kids. And she would say to me, but that's not the real you. That is not the real you. Your flesh may be weak, but your spirit is strong because the spirit is the real you. If you're sitting here right now, guilty, broken, whatever it is, that is not you. If there has been a point where you've accepted Jesus in your heart, the spirit's living in you, that is now the real you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And she would tell, you, tell me that the Holy Spirit will give you every gift that you would ever need as a mother. The Holy Spirit will comfort you and guide you way better than you could have ever got from an earthly mom. I've realized that mothering altogether, mothering is loving. And just as being a mother doesn't naturally happen for some people or, or they're not taught it at a young age, It wasn't natural for me, but I learned and I strengthened and built relationship with the thing that could make me a good mother because I couldn't do it on my own, but Holy Spirit taught me how to do that. Mothering doesn't have to be defined at all by our relationships with our real moms. I was so scared I was gonna turn out like my mom. So, I mean, I mean, I, I would say something and it would sound like her and it would devastate me. I was in so much fear over that. But mothering isn't defined by our relationships with our real mothers or even our ability to give birth or raise children. Mothering isn't defined by that. You can love and care for others as adoptive parents, fathers, mentors, Christ followers. There's been multiple people in my life that have been more of a mother to me than my own mom. I got the mothering from that, and you can be that for someone else as well. Loving and caring isn't defined by how you grew up or what society says. And thank God, because here's because uh, I'm failing. If I'm not being the mom compared to society, then I failed. Because <laughs> here's what society says here's how to be a mom in 2017. Make sure you write this down how to be a mom in 2017. Make sure your children's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met while being careful not to overstimulate, understimulate, helicopter, or neglect them in a screen free, processed foods free, GMO free, negative energy free, plastic free, body positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, whatever that even means, but also, but also authoritative. Nurturing, but fostering of independence. Gentle, but not overly permissive. Pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, preferably in a cul-de-sac, because it's safer for their bike, okay? With the backyard and probably 1.5 siblings spaced at least two years apart for proper attention. Oh, and don't forget the coconut oil. That's important. I failed, I have failed multiple times. And here's what's funny. How to be a mom in literally every generation before ours? Feed them sometimes. (laughs) It's pretty accurate. Raising kids to be safe and happy and comfortable is just unrealistic. Safe and happy is not what's promised in Scripture either. That's not how God parents us. God doesn't parent us that way. So why would we parent that way? In Romans 8.28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Okay, we read that part and we go, oh, God's going to give me everything because I want it. No, you have to read on. (laughs) And when you continue to read, it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Conformed to the image of Jesus, becoming one with him is not an easy process. God has messy, real work to do in our kids. They're born in the sin just like us. So micromanaging them, striving for this Pinterest perfect life that I will never achieve. If any of you are good, we should have like Pinterest classes or something. But striving for a Pinterest perfect life so our kids don't struggle or fail is really doing a disservice to them. We cannot do that. We have to be courageous enough to allow God to finish the work in them. What we need is courage. Our job is not to shield them, but parent them with wisdom and discernment. Mothering relationships is really just this bittersweet journey. Bittersweet in that the journey is both bitter and sweet. And I think we need both. I think sweet is nice, but bitter is where the real beauty happens. That's where the complexity is and the depth. And Mother's Day is bittersweet for most. Maybe you have pain because your mother did or couldn't love you well. Maybe you live in fear for your children, or you have a child with special needs. Maybe you don't feel like a good mom. Gosh, if you don't feel like a good mom, I want you to know that God knows and l- you and loves you and sees you right where you're at. Moms may, that have made bad decisions, we honor you, and so does God. And maybe you want to be a mom, grieving what you've never had or what you should have had. He will steady you. Allow God to comfort you as was promised in Isaiah. Isaiah says, I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. God will steady you. He will lead you. And when your faith is tired, allow the Holy Spirit to immerse you in his presence. prayer, our spirit is strengthened. And we can really trust God with anything that ever was or still is broken. We can trust him to lead us. We can trust him to steady us. When we pray, we lock eyes with him. We can trust him with pain from the past, and we can trust him with all the dreams and hopes of the future. From here, don't let this just be another service and go on with your day. Take what God's told you. Take that feeling that you're feeling right now, the feeling that Holy Spirit is giving you, and bring that with you. Take the steps that we talked about and find time to spend with Jesus daily in prayer. Attend a prayer group. We've got a lot of them happening right now. And join us in worshiping with him at the end of the series on June 4th in the evening. We're going to have a worship night to praise him because, gosh, he deserves it. When my flesh and soul tries to creep in with all the junk, my spirit reminds me that he is good. He is for us. He loves us. He is with us. He can heal what is broken and he can restore what is lost. He can lead and guide beyond our reach. He is paying attention. He knows where you're sitting right this very moment. He is paying attention. He will see you through birth and death and loss and gain. God is good. So I pray today, I pray God. God, I pray to you for strength in our spirits God I give you every single person in this room and I ask for your presence to continually guide them God for you to restore what is broken and what has been lost God I pray that you are not just with us on Sunday mornings but we understand and experience your spirit throughout the week God throughout our entire life we want you to lead us We want you to have victory over our lives. God, we understand that we are not ashamed, we are not scared, but we are redeemed because of you, God. And we are so thankful for that. So we want to give you all the honor and all the glory and all the power for everything that you've done in our life. And God, I claim that over every single person in this room, that their story, their brokenness will become a testimony to talk about how great you are, God. We thank you. We thank you for your Son and for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the opportunity to build relationship with them through prayer. We love you, God. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Happy Mother's Day.